You guys, I got a question for you. Yeah, what's up, Seth? Have you ever actually heard somebody do an evil laugh? I mean, I did hear Kyle do one today. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you mean my, my completely natural laugh? Evil here meaning, like, I don't want it to exist. <laughs> it's evil in, in the fact that it is evil. The thing that it is is evil. It yeah. is not an evil laugh so much as it is, it is Kyle's laugh. <laughs> That we deem as an omen of evil to come. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. Your hosts, Emily Moyers and Kyle Imperator, take you on an adventure to the weird, worrisome, woeful, and always wicked world of one wayside word. Strange characters, evil bits, and general horror abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. Kyle. Yes. Emily. I'm Seth. <gasps> You're oh, Seth. Seth. You're I Seth know. on this episode of Butter No Parsnips. That's right. You guys have let me out of my chambers. Yes, yeah. normally we, we keep them locked you. away. That's yeah. right. You took we decided me, to feed you. <laughs> you, you. You gave me that sliver of bologna that could fit under the door, and you said, here's an extra one, because today you're coming out. Because guess what, Seth? Today... It's Halloween. <gasps> Cue the crash of thunder and, and yeah, and and pots and pans for some reason. Yeah, and then like a glittering rainbow. Yes, for me <laughs> because today is the one day you guys let me out. And what do we do on Halloween? What do we always do on Halloween? Me and you two. What have we always done since the dawn of time? Always. <laughs> uh, bathe in Taco Bell nacho cheese. Yeah, but on Halloween though specifically. <laughs> oh, 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 oh! Play pranks. We watch movies? Mm, you're both wrong. Oh. We return oh. to the sacred texts. Oh, you're right. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That, the, I completely forgot. Yes, you forgot. I could tell by the first suggestion that you said, which was bathe in Taco Bell <laughs> juice. But no, yes, we, we return to the, the Oogum Boogum Biblio, the, oh. the scroll whence our journey first began, and most certainly where it will end. Yes, you two. I speak of the Lexiconicon. The Lexiconicon? <laughs> now, 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 our listeners don't know this, of course, but the Lexiconicon, and, and this is lore, so super fans, write it down. Write it down. I hope you guys are putting this into really whatever important. fan yeah. fact you're writing up. Yeah. <laughs> the Lexicon is the tome from which all of our word knowledge stems. Billingsgate, Abecedary, our one and only guest Jackie so far, they all came to <laughs> us from out of the lexiconicon. Yes, we spoke Jackie into existence. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty easy uh, spell, if you ask me. Now... We three have studied the Lexiconicon a great deal, unwrapping secrets untold, mysteries now old, and also other stuff. Oh. Naturally, some of these secrets have been harrowing, horrifying, and even other stuff. <laughs> so today, on a day famous for the freaks and creeps and ghouls and goblins and monsters and other stuff, yeah. I'm going to share with you one of the very same that I found betwixt these tattered pages of our Lexiconicon. Are you both ready? I'm as ready as Emily is. Oh, I'm as ready as Seth is? 
That's not yeah. even true. And one of us is lying, and the other yes. two are telling the truth. <laughs> and I need to figure out which one to believe, and it's yeah. impossible. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no. Today, I introduce you to a weirdo of the word world. And oh. no, it's not alliteration. Um, <laughs> it's anagrams. Ooh. Oh. Now, you're both familiar with anagrams. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, anagram. (laughs) Anagram is my grandmother on my father's side. Yes, anagram. (laughs) Anagram. Some would call her Gram Anna. But But they're not cool and funky like anagram. Yeah. (laughs) She lets me have too much candy. (laughs) So... Wikipedia defines an anagram as a word or phrase formed by rearranging the letters of a different word or phrase, typically using all the original letters exactly once. So, for example, Kyle Imperator can be anagrammatized, the actual word for that, to morality keeper. (gasps) That's crazy. No way. Yeah. And Emily Moyers could become some limey rye. <laughs> and I really she, feel like it. She's pretty it close to becoming yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> you ask me. Yeah. yeah. These are both accurate identities for us. <laughs> but uh, our anagrams, anagrams have a sort of pervasiveness to them where everybody knows one or has experienced one, sort of like ghosts or STDs. So do either of you have a favorite anagram or at least like a famous one you're familiar with? I've forgotten uh, every anagram. Yeah, I'm like, now I'm trying to think of literally any anagram. <laughs> but like, like you guys know them, right? Like, I feel like anagrams I encountered, I feel like I've encountered them on like a lot of novelty websites when I was younger. Like, they were all like satirical ones. Yeah, I don't know if I can think of any like famous anagrams. <laughs> oh, I know one. I know one. I know one. Uh, What is it? I am Tom Riddle. I am Tom Vladimir Riddle. Yes. Yeah. I didn't want to invoke J.K. Rowling, but absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Tom Tom Marvolo Riddle. Marvolo. It it rearranges to become I am Lord Voldemort. That's it. And the the ones that I was talking about earlier, they're they're like um, like New York Times can be a can be rearranged to become Monkey's Right. There's like political ones too that are like George Bush becoming He Bugs Gore. My my favorite political one is uh, Ronald Wilson Reagan, which becomes insane Anglo warlord, <laughs> <laughs> which is just like that's, that's... someone worked on that, you know. <laughs> I, I, I did. Did Glenn Beck come up with that? Has he used that on his show? Because if not, we got to give him a ring. <laughs> yeah, and he used it positively too. <laughs> yeah. like, insane Anglo warlord, as in our new Christ Savior. <laughs> Oh God! But uh, but Kyle, you referred earlier to J.K. Rowling's use of anagrams. Writers use mm-hmm. anagrams as a way of nudging audiences toward what they're getting at in their stories, or as a clue to the context of either the character or the story or whatever they're anagrammatizing. So, some famous anagrams include more in YA literature. Dan Handler, the author of a series of unfortunate events, <gasps> that's right. Oh, I forgot. Oh my God! Yes, he does so frequently. Notably for Count Olaf, which can be anagrammatized to a pseudonym he uses in the books, Al Funkut. Al Funkut. But there's like so many others. So he just loves, he just loves, he just loves that sort of thing. And we just love him. We just love him. Dan Handler, love him. Oh my God. Love that guy. Another writer, uh, satirist (laughs) Jonathan Swift, also uses anagrams in Gulliver's Travels when Gulliver visits Tribnia, a.k.a. Langdon. 
both of which respectively are anagrams of Britain and England. Oh, that's oh. fun. I don't know. Have you guys ever read it? I've never read it. I've never actually read it, no. Yeah, me, yeah, yeah. Me either. Yeah, it's, I know that he travels. Um, his name is Gulliver. His name is Gulliver, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Lilliputians. Yeah, the, the Lilliputians. That's yeah, literally that's, the only thing I That's know. it. <laughs> this next one I didn't know, but Emily, you might have, and Kyle, you might have, but Hamlet is an anagram. Hamlet oh. the name? Yes, and this is hilarious to me. So Hamlet is an anagram for Amleth who was a Danish prince and the direct inspiration for the tragedy, which has the full title of Hamlet, Prince of Denmark. And this is funny to me because it's like if I wrote a story panning Kyle and called it Kelly with one L, comma, the guy <laughs> Seth knows. <laughs> and was like, I hope he doesn't catch on. <laughs> I hope he doesn't get this one. <laughs> well, I don't think Shakespeare was trying to disguise that his play was about a long dead prince of Denmark. <laughs> Emily, know. my assumption is exactly that, which is that he didn't care that anybody knew, but it was a legal thing, like how they do at the end of Law and Order, where it's like <laughs> clearly about a high profile sex crime. Yeah, but then they're yeah. like, this actually, it doesn't, totally, totally just coincidence. Yeah. It was Jekyll Maxson in the, in the show. How could that be anybody in real life? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, because I think at the end of Hamlet, the last line is executive producer Dick Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think dun, I remember dun, that. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so just your guesses. How old would you say the tradition of anagramming is? Ooh. Oh. We know it's got to be older than Shakespeare. Yeah, I'm thinking <laughs> 1000 BC. 1000 BC. I'm thinking 1000 CE. My translations may be shaky because the divination I practiced from the Lexiconicon, <laughs> which is definitely not just the internet, didn't <laughs> yield me a sure answer. But anagrams are said to date back to at least the ancient Greeks, and more specifically, the 3rd century BCE Greek poet, Lycophron. Are either of you familiar with him? No. Lycophron? Yeah, Lycophron. So he's not a fron. He's almost a fron. He's Lycophron. <laughs> He's like a brother. It sounds like one of those new polyester type materials that they make jumpsuits out of. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It sounds like a bulletproof like a vest. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so Lycophron was a Greek tragic poet, grammarian, sophist, and fun thing here, a commentator on comedy. Um, he was he was entrusted by Ptolemy the Great to organize the comedies in the Library of Alexandria. The Library of Alexandria had a comedy section. <laughs> it Wasn't did, it just thanks to Lycophron. Scrolls? That's crazy. Was, that is no, insane. It was um, it was like Aristotle's super silly school jokes. Um, <laughs> it was like I, Mad Libs. Yeah. Isn't that just the most tragic thing? All the comedy we lost when the Library of Alexandria <laughs> yeah. burned. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah, shame. yeah, yeah. George Carlin's original stuff yeah. is there <laughs> some lost we, seinfeld episodes <laughs> we could be leaps and bounds in comedy right now if we hadn't lost all that <laughs> it really yeah. set us back lycophron though isn't the original <laughs> founder of anagrams as a concept but he's potentially regarded as the earliest record now i say potentially because the record of him is made in the 12th century by a man named john tzitzis and here's the problem with that John Tzitzis is described as such, quote, vain, seems to have resented any <laughs> attempt at rivalry, 
and violently attacked his fellow grammarians. Owing to a lack of written material, he was obliged to trust his memory. Therefore, caution has to be exercised in reading his work. Which I believe is just a quote from my 11th grade parent-teacher conference. I was going to say, it sounds like something that's on his permanent record. (laughs) He was a respected record keeper of Greek history. Was he? Because that was not a respectful (laughs) description of him. It was not, but he actually was. He he is like, he was a record keeper for a lot of Greek history. um, Yeah, maybe that quote you read, Seth, was just written by his enemy. Oh, that's true. That's true. Maybe it was a a fellow grammarian he attacked. (laughs) (laughs) But let's go deeper into the world of esoterica. One we know our friend Kyle, for some reason, can't seem to stay away from. Anagrams (laughs) are the central focus of something called temera. Now, to really get into this would mean risking 45 minutes of me rambling on about Jewish esoteric philosophy. And we just... We just can't have another Legomachy incident. We can't. So, <laughs> we can't do it. So what I'm going Damn, to do shots is, fired. <laughs> I think so, if we, I think if we mention Agrippa one more time, he's going to appear before us. He's going to yes. Agrippa me yeah. by the throat and take me to hell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what? What I'm going to do is give you the slivers to go home with and feed your own curiosity. Okay. Like the baloney under your door. Mm, yeah. And I'm still nibbling. So, <laughs> Tamara, which translates literally from Hebrew to mean exchange, is a method by which Kabbalists or Kabbalists, I don't care, nobody come at me. Those are uh, <laughs> followers of the Kabbalah, a mystic sect of Judaism. They use the rearrangement of letters to interpret new meanings from the Tanakh or the Hebrew Bible, which is the Torah the Nevi'im, and the Ketuvim. There are three simple forms of Temura, which include Atbash, Avgad, and Albam. Atbash replaces the first letter with the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the second with the next to last, and so on. So like, they would rearrange words based on gotcha. that formula. It's gotcha. sort of like a, like a... A cryptogram? Cryptogram. And then there's Avgad, which replaces each letter with the preceding letter. So uh, in English, it would be like A becomes B, B becomes C. Oh, sure, And then sure, sure. there's Albam, which replaces the first letter of the alphabet with the 12th letter of the alphabet, the Crazy. second with the 13th, and so on, because there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Ah. I thought Albam was just America's least popular state. <laughs> Oh man, Kyle, we, we have just a lost huge all our most popular state. I don't know, I'm from New York. What do you want from me? No, no, one thing you might have recognized is that those aren't necessarily anagrams because you're not necessarily rearranging letters to get there. You're you're replacing Right, letters. you're changing them to new letters. But anagrams were taken up by Kabbalists to be a form of Temura. So like Atbash, Avgad, and Albam are forms of Temura, and so are anagrams. Another important note on this, though, is that Hebrew is an abjad, which, no, is not a Bostonian mispronunciation of Goldfinger's henchman, Adjab, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is that was just a joke for my Bostonian James Bond fans out there. Yeah, but no, yeah, yeah. abjad is the word for a consonantary alphabet comprised solely of consonants where vowels are left to interpretation. So most Semitic languages are abjads. The reason I bring this up is because doing this practice with an anglicized Torah or an anglicized Hebrew Bible wouldn't be effective. 
all of this to say, anagrammatizing the Hebrew Bible in English would, in the opinion of Kabbalists, likely result in nonsense and is definitely way different from what they're doing, definitely. It's definitely (laughs) not just a lot of old bearded men playing around with words. I mean, ancient (laughs) meanings. Uh, Seth Seth is looking to make a specific type of enemy today. (laughs) Fortunately, we're going to have a a pivot away from the Jewish faith, and we're going to go into Latin, because from here on out, it's a lot of Latin. Like, a lot. Isn't it always? And it's, (laughs) it's always. And it's literally because people who could read would also just be able to read Latin. And so they'd just snoot about with their little noses held high, just being yep. little nerds. Yep, for so, sure. So one known Latin anagram, and you guys get ready to be moved. <laughs> get ready to see the light, okay? <gasps> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pontius Pilate once asked, Oh my God. Quid oh, wow. est veritas? What is truth? And folks, est via qui adest? It is the man who is here, <gasps> which is presumably it's Christ that they're talking about. But the light be unto you through anagrams. So quid est veritas can be anagrammatized to est vir quia dest. Wow. Is that, yeah. is that Pontius Pilate's self-help book? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And then his sequel yeah. is the other one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Quid est veritas is for the lost man, and then est vir quiades is for the found man. Yes. Absolutely. And there's a lot of those. <laughs> there's a lot of those. So, Ave Maria Gratia Plana Dominus Tecum. You know, everybody yeah. knows that. I, sure. Hail Mary, full yeah. of grace, the Lord is with you. Yeah. Well, you could just yeah. shift uh-huh. it around and make Virgo Serena Pia Munda et Immaculata, which means. Serene virgin, pious, clean, and spotless, which I'm not going to lie to you, is so icky to me. Absolutely. <laughs> what I a clean, spotless, spotless virginity. <laughs> I, I just hate that. So Latin invited some discourse regarding anagrams and letter values, which I tried to look up, quote, letter values, but it just brought me to all that like A equals one, B equals two stuff. Or just Scrabble points. But the source (laughs) that I was looking at did have parentheses that explained it to mean how I's and J's and U's and V's and W's and two V's were used like interchangeably in Latin. Yeah. Yeah. And in uh, early English as well. Yeah, right. Exactly. This little fact, this little bending of the rules led to the absolute roast I'm getting you ready for. (gasps) So you see, we got the Jesuits, right? AKA Societus Jesu, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Everything's hunky dory. We're all familiar. Yeah. Well, anagram it <laughs> Vitiosa Sessis, meaning cut off the wicked things, as in the Jesuits. Oh, oh, oh my God. <laughs> wow. Someone. Is bro- was probably murdered for that, honestly. <laughs> and, and, and I think. Based on the sound he just made, I think it was Kyle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, speaking of nerds, it just gets better <laughs> because uh, it's noted that writer and literary critic George Putnam, in, quote, the time of Elizabeth I, wanted to make an anagram out of Elizabeth Anglorum Regina, meaning Elizabeth, Queen of England. 
Now, this is the thing that gets me. <laughs> he wanted to. Right. He wanted to make an anagram. Yeah, sure. And that anagram would have been Malta Regnibus Ense Gloria, meaning by thy sword shalt thou reign in great renown. But then he Fun. goes and he qualifies it by saying of the respelling of Elizabeth to Elizabeth, that the H is, quote, a note of aspiration only and no letter, end quote. And that Z in Greek or Hebrew is just a double S. Which is just like so he just let himself. I don't himself know if either S's? of those things are true. It's it's just okay. Just do whatever you want. You're the yeah. one who's playing around with words. Yeah, this is your. <laughs> this is for for fun for you. It's 1588. I have syphilis, and they're treating me with mercury. <laughs> do whatever you want. <laughs> oh God! I wish I had it. I just I am in so much pain. You know, you and I aren't so different. I don't think that's true. I can see that my skin is falling off. <laughs> yeah, and I have a Z here that I don't know what to do with. Ah, it's real tough. You and me, we're two peas in a pot. I mean, can't you just make them two S's and find me some morphine? Mm, I can do the S part. It's going to be tough to do the rest. (laughs) (laughs) There is so much history to anagrams, but it's not like different. And, And like by that, I mean, it's not like, whoa, that, huh? It's just the same thing over and over, where it's like some haughty author who hated the queen was like, ha, take that wordplay. <laughs> That'll get him. But I wanted more from this episode, and I didn't want to just go down a list of anagrams, which are like half funny. So I wanted to give you something to talk about. So okay. here are some insane things involving anagrams. <laughs> I mean, here I give you an even greater glimpse into the prophecy of thine anagram. <gasps> Thank you. Michael Keith and Richard Brody, both of whom are computer programmers, wrote an anagrammatized version of the Bible. The whole thing? Or at least whole thing? a few books of the Bible. Now, personally, I was super confused by this because it's sort of difficult to figure out how they'd have approached that because it's a whole, it's a whole, I mean, if you just have all the letters, you could just make whatever you want, you yeah. know? But fortunately, his process is explained by him in oh, an right. article he wrote in 2000 for a journal titled Wordways in volume 33, issue three. What he did was he went through it by verse. So every verse was anagrammatized. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Which is a heck yeah, yeah, of yeah. a lot more work technically. Yeah. They did do uh, the manual labor of making the anagrams themselves, but they used their programming skills to account for the more menial tasks of confirming perfect anagrams, keeping track of unused letters, and even keeping track of letter use frequency. So not just in their work, like how many times they're using a letter in an anagram, but also how often that letter is used in the English language. So that helped for when they were composing sentences, they wouldn't have a bunch of like Q's and X's and Z's left over when they were getting near completion, which is wild. Like what a wild program. Yeah. Yeah. But like 
I'm sure was incredibly helpful. <laughs> the, the same process applied to vowel usage. So the program would warn them if, as they were anagramming, they went above or below a certain metric of vowels right. and needed to like rework what they had so far. And then they had the program make words out of all the unused letters they had toward the end of the process. <laughs> so then they um, just had like fridge magnets of words to put together. <laughs> yes, literally, yes. The, the way that it uh, like... um came to completion was they would have the original proverbs or whatever alongside their anagrammatized version. So I'm going to read a couple of the original and then I'll read you the anagrammatized version. This is from Proverbs. Sorry, this is the original start of Proverbs. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. They anagrammatized it into folk aphorisms observed, of loving or of hate, sin noted. <laughs> Another original verse, uh, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. The Keith Brody rendition, are church boys safe and not unto bad naughty melee? Thank fatherly no-no chat. Resist theft. Smut? No, no, no. Thine innocence? Yes. I love thank fatherly no-no chat. I love how many no-nos are in there. Did they have like an abundance of O's and N's? They must, I mean, they must have. Now, the, the article from the journal, they wind up explaining how they dealt with like really finicky passages. So for instance, like the genealogy passages of the Bible, which are a lot of crazy, crazy letters. Right. They like broke the rules a little bit. And instead of doing like the verse specifically, they would do the whole section and move it all and like have a whole section redone. They actually, and I don't know why I didn't include it, but they actually reworked one of those passages into a limerick form <laughs> that's fun they had other programs that they were testing out and so they would take that they would take that same sort of idea where they would take a passage and anagrammatize it but the output module would be a shakespearean iambic pentameter like sonnet or or soliloquy oh, i love that amazing here's something i found truly insane anagrams were used by early astronomers to, quote, establish priority. What does that mean? What do you think that means? Ooh. You said astronomers yeah. establish priority amongst themselves, amongst the stars. <laughs> mm. Emily, you come up with a guess while I think about I, it. <laughs> I'm trying to think how this could relate to anagrams. Don't worry. It's crazy. They They rearrange the names of the constellations and alphabetize those rearranged names. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Emily? Which which is the worst way to organize your dictionary. I finally <laughs> found it. Yeah, true. We found it. <laughs> Worse than by letter length. <laughs> Emily, you wouldn't believe. So Galileo did this, and I love this. <laughs> Galileo wrote, Smays mermilmimo tail umibune nugti taurus. And it's not meant to be read aloud. It is nonsense. But what it anagrammatizes to is altissimum planetum tergeminum observavi. Latin for I have observed the most distant planet to have a triple form, referring to the rings of Saturn. So he, he took all the letters of the Latin for his discovery, right. mixed them up, and knew that he would be the only one that would be able to unmix them and claim the discovery for himself. 
And he'd do this because there would be time between his discovery and the publishing of, a, of his discovery. So he established priority over oh the discovery. Gosh. So like he'd write it down and show somebody, but say, I'm not going to tell you what it actually is. He's trademarking it. Yeah. He So like literally like establishing priority on a research paper, like first author of a research paper, he can say, no, I observed this thing. Here's the anagram that I wrote because it reworks to this and I know what this means. It means this thing that I can find right now. It's crazy to think that if someone tried that nowadays, the person would laugh them out of the room. (laughs) (laughs) Legally speaking, absolutely. It would just be like, all right, well, he's obviously a kook, your honor. So this is mine. (laughs) Did it work though for Galileo? Oh, get ready because it gets better. Oh no. When he announced the discovery that Venus has phases like the moon, he announced it as such. Hayek immatura ame iam frustra lengter oi. Meaning, these immature ones have already been read in vain by me. Oi. And that's not the interjection. <laughs> that's just him running out of words to make. <laughs> right, 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 right. So when he rearranged it, it became Cynthia figura emulator mater amorum, or the mother of loves, i.e. Venus, imitates the figures of Cynthia, i.e. the moon. So it it did. Like, he was able to use this as basically like, I know what these words mean. I'm the only one who knows what these mean. And I can point you to exactly what they're referring to. Now, why is that better? Why is that specific instance better? Other than the fact that it's it's not just gobbledygook that time. (laughs) Kepler... Johannes Kepler attempted to decode it and did so, except he got two different Latin phrases. Oh, my God. Yeah, get ready. One referred to the moons of Mars and the other referred to the red spot on Jupiter. The thing is, neither were discovered until after both of them died. Oh, my God. What? So... He reworked them to refer to the red spot and to the moons of Mars. And he was like, ha ha, I figured it out. And Galileo was like, nope, not it. And he was like, curses. (laughs) And then they just both died in vain. (laughs) (laughs) What? So like he, he decoded the Latin to say like a red spot on Jupiter, but like not knowing that there was a red spot on Jupiter. Yes. Yes. What? (laughs) Yes. That Did is they go insane. Check? I mean, what a guess. <laughs> obviously not, because they weren't discovered until years later. Oh, my God. So later, Christian Huygens discovered more properly what the rings of Saturn looked like and followed Galileo's example in publishing the discovery as an anagram. Insane, though, because his anagram was just all the letters of the Latin annulo singitur tenui plan nusquam coherente ad eclipticum inclinato. All of those letters in alphabetical order. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. Oh, my God. For for some reason, though, that... Makes me feel like it's 17 times more impossible to decode, even though it's the same kind of work. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's just not an anagram. That's just, he's just organizing things. (laughs) 
And just a little bit more on this because we need to remind our listeners at home that it is Halloween and that the beasts within the Lexiconicon know no bounds. Yes, they must be sated. The Loch Ness Monster was given the scientific He was making anagrams too? (laughs) First of all, she. Oh, that's so true. Wow. Screw you, Kyle. (laughs) She can go with it whatever pronouns she wants. God damn it. Now Kyle's right. Screw you, Emily. (laughs) (laughs) The Loch Ness Monster was given the scientific name Nesoteris Rhombateryx by one British naturalist, Sir Peter Scott. It was later pointed out by newspapers, because these are the people who dabble in these things, that Nesotera Rhombateryx can be anagrammatized into Monster Hoax by Sir Peter S. (gasps) (gasps) And as is the might of the cryptozoological community, Robert Rines, a man who has a crazy life of his own, and reportedly took two underwater photos of the beast beneath Ness, arranged the same scientific name to be, yes, both pics are monsters. (laughs) Which, which, as I say it... It is just as dumb as it sounds. <laughs> so bad. So bad. And he probably threw that out down on a table with a bunch of wary eyes. They looking over their eyeglasses and he's like, the proof is in the pudding. I'll take my million dollars now. Oh my God. Forget the photos. Someone... This proves it. <laughs> Someone faints. Uh, and and there oh. we have it. That's wow. That's anagrams. And once more. Have we visited the dome of timeless tumult, that choir of queer quandaries, hoping that it will grant us another year of weird word wisdom? Will it? What saith the lexiconicon? Kyle, shake the lexiconicon. What does it say? Uh, shake it. Shake I it. Should ask again I later. Shaking it. <laughs> Not looking good. <laughs> point to yes. <laughs> well, you guys want to play a game, ease the stress of having to do this show without a magical grimoire? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, wait. I liked the grimoire. <laughs> you guys, this is a game called Imagniwola. And do you know why it's called that? Because it's an anagram for... Yeah, go ahead. Take a guess. Yeah. Okay, it's an anagram, Iwola. Iwola. Imag Niwola. Niwola. Good job. It's no a, idea. It's, a, <laughs> <laughs> it's called that because it's Halloween game backwards. Hey. Oh. You see, there's a special kind of anagram called an anonym or an anadrome, which are words or names derived from spelling another word backwards. An example of this, not to bring her up again, but there's an example in Harry Potter, the mirror of Erised. Yes, which is desire. Oh, yeah. Erised is desire backwards. And then there's a whole phrase on it that is a phrase backwards. Yes. And in this way, you're seeing how the reversal is a reference to being a mirror because it's backwards, but also clues you as to the nature of the mirror, which showed you your heart's desire. Yeah. And that makes sense. Is this whole thing about showing us our heart's desire? Uh, because what? no, what? No. Oh, I don't. Okay. None of us. Come on, man. Kyle hasn't been listening to this whole episode. <laughs> We're already on thin ice with the lexiconicon. <laughs> <laughs> but there are actually a lot of examples of this. So what I'm going to do is give you an anadrome. You'll reverse it, and then given what you've decoded, I'll give you a hint as to the type of thing it is, and you'll finally guess what that thing. is is yes yeah i got it i think i understand 
Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Your first word is emirp. Prime. Yes. So it's prime backwards. What do you think an emirp is? I think it's like Amazon Prime Day, but things cost more. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you the hint. It is a term. I mean, I'm trying to think if it's something that's like relates to prime numbers. Mm. Is it a negative prime number? That's not even possible. Think about what you have to do to the word prime to get an emirp. You're reversing it, so... You got it! An emirp is a prime number that results in a different prime number when its digits are reversed. Oh! Fun! Yeah. There is a lot of real mathematical theory that goes into what an emirp is. There is a sequence unto itself. There are twin emirps, which I tried to understand in my brain, but I don't get it because the sequence for twin emirps goes from 71 to 1031. <laughs> like that's the first two in that sequence. What? But, uh, but yes, so t- you got it. You got it, Emily. I mean, I don't know if I did, but thank you. I would, I would say you do. A lot of mathematical and scientific terms play around with this function of anadromes. There's something called an irna. A Dariff and a Mo, a Mo you've probably heard of before, um, but isn't that the hardness scale? That's a Mo's. That, that's a Mo's scale. Mo's no, scale? a Mo's is welcome to Mo's. That's what a Mo's is. I love how much we love Mexican American food. <laughs> <laughs> um, but all of these are terms for electricity. So a Henry, right. a Farad, and an Ohm, they have they have reciprocal properties oh. to those those units. Um, Wild. Yeah, this is wild. Your next one, I'm going to put parentheses around. So parentheses 20461 and parentheses diaretza. So you don't need the parentheses. Don't solve the parentheses. Oh, okay. So what? say the word again, because I was solely focusing on those numbers. <laughs> That's crazy, because parentheses are specifically it's, unfocused words. <laughs> it's asteroid. It's asteroid. It Thank is you. asteroid, and that is the name of an asteroid with a retrograde orbit. Fun! Wow. So they call it uh, 20461 Diaretza because it, has, it goes the opposite way, um, as most orbits do. That I feel like that's not fair to any other asteroid that has a retrograde orbit. <laughs> well, it's 20461, so you imagine there's others. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know asteroids could have retrograde orbits. I it's definitely insane, right? Um it is described I don't 100% as... understand retrograde orbits. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> me neither. <laughs> um the uh, it is described as a highly eccentric unusual object. <laughs> yeah. I've been described as that <laughs> one before. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it's what gets, gets you invited to parties. Like the yeah, dinner really for schmucks does. we're hosting. <laughs> <laughs> Your next word is Elgoog. Elgoog. El Goog. I think that's straightforward. I think that's what they call Google in in Spain. <laughs> well, it is um, definitely Google backwards. We've got to use El Goog. Um, Emily, you got it. It is Google backwards. El Goog was a, a website that literally mirrored 
Google's interface. So everything was backwards. I can't <gasps> remember exactly what, when it stopped. Um, I think 2015 it might have stopped, but Google basically was like, you can't do this anymore. And so they purchased a new domain name. And what they do now is actually have an archive of all of the Google gimmicks on that website. That's fun. That reminds me of like the olden days on the internet. You know? It's so, <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, Elgoog, uh, I think it was around since 2000, which is just prime internet day where it's yeah. just like we're just like, gonna screw stuff up yeah we, yeah. we really got nothing else to do on here yes. so what, yeah. is, what 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 happens if we search elgoog <laughs> what comes up a lot of uh technology companies and technology things also use the anadrome formula nimda is the name of a computer worm because it functions like an admin it has admin like powers oh. and oh, uh, i really like this one uh you've probably seen it before you, have you ever seen uh xvid <laughs> no kyle no. um <laughs> it's it's a it's a type of uh, uh i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> it's a type of a video codec and their name is just the name of their competitor spelled backwards which is so funny this next one is a lot of fun. Simordnalap. <gasps> the the big breath you took in was necessary. <laughs> Simordnalap. Sal. Pal. Salad. Is it drums. palindromes? It oh, palindromes? is palindromes. Wow. And uh, simordnalap is an actual word, and it describes words that w- instead of when you turn them around, you get the same word, you get a different word. So this when is something around, like, like the, bed the word, and deb. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yep. <laughs> or stop, which when you turn it around becomes pots. Um, oh. And, and there, there is a fairly extensive list of some of these words. A lot of four-letter words, five-letter words wind up being some more to lapse. Wow, that's very cool. And uh, and this is this is the last one that I have for you. Here we go. Do we have uh, to go back into the lexiconicon after this is yeah. over? <laughs> you might just have to go into the lexiconicon right now. This one is Yensid. Oh. <gasps> my favorite oh my god i was listening to that all day today oh, no. i have i got i got like a Halloween Kyle knows exactly podcast. what it is i, I know exactly it i'm gonna does. let emily flounder <laughs> i mean i i can tell what it's 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 disney backwards it it is disney backwards is it like like disney songs backwards based on what kyle's doing right now no emily so um bum no I, yeah, yeah, that's just the Sorcerer's Apprentice. <laughs> well, you got it. So Yensid yeah. is the name of the sorcerer <gasps> in Fantasia's The Sorcerer, Sorcerer's Apprentice, whose apprentice oh. Mickey Mouse calls as mayhem. Um, yeah, so that, that wizard's name, that sorcerer's name is Yensid. And I figured wow. I'd finish off on that one because it was a little bit magical. And <gasps> now... Spooky! It's now spooky music. we've dabbled in the arcane knowledge of the Lexiconicon, oh. and I'd say we've all come out better because of it. I do have <laughs> one question before I go. Do you know that Butter No Parsnips has a perfect anagram? <gasps> no, what is it? Oh my, oh my god. Is it Panch... Bub. Oh my god, you're so close. <laughs> you're so close. Panch bub. Just what's the last part of it? Yes, what's the last part of it? Panch bub ones. You got Snirkins. it. You got it, Panch bub Snurkins. Now, can you go hang out in the other room while me and Emily talk for a second? Yeah, all right. Bye-bye. <laughs> so, so... <laughs> 
So buttermilk parsnips can be a re- can be rearranged to become, yeah. and it's very exciting. Support banister. Oh. <laughs> or I like this one a little bit more. It could also become protuberant spins. Aww. And I think I've got a little idea for this in the future, but we'll talk about that another oh. time. So what do you two say to wrapping this show up and sending me back to the hovel where I will study more of this word wizardry until next All Hallows Eve? (laughs) We're sending you back. Listen, listen, let's talk about what's really important, which is that you can find Butternote Parsnips all over the internet on Facebook or on Instagram at Butternote Parsnips Podcast. And if you like today's episode, please consider giving us a spooky five-star rating (gasps) or review wherever (gasps) you heard us. Ah. And if you really, really liked it, you could consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. Donating $5 or more earns you a shout out either on social media or here on the podcast. So we'd like to give our thanks to Heather B, Monica of Tot Music, Lori M, Pensive Primate, Day D, and Rob R. Thank you so much, all of you, for helping us make what we make and with that i've been some limey rye and i've been morality keeper and this has been butter no parsnips, butter no parsnips. sign butter off no keep it tight <laughs> <laughs>Thank you for listening to Butter No Parsnips. Butter No Parsnips is produced by Seth Glicksman, Emily Moyers, and Kyle Imperator. The theme music and additional music is by Kyle Imperator. If you liked listening to this episode, subscribe and give us a good rating and or positive review wherever you heard it. If you really liked listening, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. There you can get bonus content you can't get anywhere else, like the monthly Patreon-exclusive podcast Buttered Parsnips. Your support means the world to us and encourages us to keep making more. Thanks in advance, and we'll be back next week.